Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Hello there, welcome to episode number 37 of Broken Records, part of the Riot Act Podcast Network. I'm Stephen Hill. He's Renfrey Deadman. Hello. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm ever so slightly puzzled, which we'll get onto in a moment, but uh generally I'm alright. How are you doing? I'm alright, mate. I I'm generally puzzled. Mm. But I'm alright as well, mm. which is less I mean, I just feel like I'm puzzled <laughs> in general all the time. <laughs> to be fair. So, yeah. hey, th- thanks for tuning in. Um, like I say, this is part of the Right Act Network, which we've just created with our own brains. Um, we usually do a podcast that reviews the finest in alternative music every Friday. So if you're interested in hearing us talk about records of that ilk, then please do go over and have a little look. You can go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Right Act Podcast. We have lots of exciting stuff over there as well. Um, bonus content on classic albums and things that you can suggest. So do that. But this is not that. This podcast is Broken Records where we search for the worst record ever made. We have a list of albums, a very, very long list of albums that currently have 36 records in it. These uh, suggestions have come from a variety of sources reputation suggestions critical standing fan reaction the band's reaction sometimes and maybe sometimes occasionally just the context of the time um and sometimes often potentially records are in here and you kind of go huh why is why is this in here yeah. it's kind of our job to find out why those records are in here sometimes it's really easy even if the album's not bad you can go well i can kind of see why yeah. that is was badly received yeah. sometimes they are deeply puzzling which mm. brings us to the album we're going to be talking about this week tin machine 2 the second album from the david bowie fronted quote-unquote super group although really only one of them in it is actually super in any yeah, way yeah. which came out on the 2nd of september 1991 that's the record we're going to be talking about today before we go any further though we do have 36 records in this list but we've We've got a flop 20 that I'm going to count down from. I like it. Yeah, we we named that last week. <laughs> we, we, John. No, Thank I, you, John. I, I Thank you, John. Week. Thank yep. you, John. So um, the 20 worst albums we have so far go in descending order like this. What They're by Black Flag, Streets and Sky by The Enemy, One by Dirty Vegas, Razor Light by Razor Light, Famous First Words by Viva Brother, One More Light by Linkin Park, Theory of a Dead Man's The Truth Is, Louis XIV's Slick Dogs and Ponies, The Cosmos Rocks by Queen and Paul Rogers, Richard Ashcroft's United Nations of Sound, the original soundtrack to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the movie, Yogg and Quigg's self-titled album, Graveyard Classics Volume 2 by Six Feet Under, Blood, Sweat and Towers by the Towers of London, Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman, Little Zan's Total Zanarchy, Blood on the Dance Floor with Bad Blood, Methods of Mayhem by Methods of Mayhem, Uncle Cracker's Double Wide, and I'm Not a Fan, but the kids like it by Broken Side, which remains our number one worst album so far that we have heard. But as I said, Tin Machine will be going into that list somewhere. It's, somewhere. It's all well and good you doing that flop twenty, but for this particular one, 
uh, it also doesn't really feel applicable because I, I think it will yeah. be I think it will be lower or higher depending on how you see the list than that. But hey, we shall see. We shall see. We shall we shall see. But yeah, I would think this probably will struggle to get into the flop twenty. To be perfect, yes. Um, Tin Machine um, are a band who kind of long forgotten band, I guess. I mean, we spoke funnily enough. We did a Riot Ears review over on our Patreon page about David Bowie's uh, 1997 album Earthling, mm-hmm. which is uh, was a chance for me to talk about how much I enjoy David Bowie's 90s output. Um, yeah, even even as even as a um, casual Bowie fan, I found a lot to like in that album. Um, there's no getting away from it. It does sound like a record that came out in 1995. It is very dated, absolutely. but you know, it did come out in 1995, so you can't, you can't really diss it too much. Yeah. You know, mm. um, yeah, it's not dated very well, but but it's certainly there's certainly some good stuff on that record, undoubtedly, really good stuff. Yeah, actually. yeah, there is, and I think that Bowie's. <clears throat> Like I say, Bowie's 90s output is, from I think, is actually generally really quite good. Hmm. And this is the first, I think, the first thing that he would have put out in the 90s as a band. And then I'd, I'd never listened to Tin Machine before. I like David Bowie a lot, but I'd never listened to Tin Machine before. I kind of knew that he was in this band, Tin Machine. I didn't really know that much about it. Um, when you're discovering an artist who has such a vast back catalogue as David Bowie did already. I mean, he had a good, like, 10 albums out before I was even born. Yeah. So you're not going to go to the kind of side project when there's all those other things to be no. listening to. So I have to be honest, this is, although I sort of remember them, this is the first time that I've listened to Tin Machine. Were you even aware of Tin Machine? Um, I have to confess, not really. Um, certainly when you pulled it out of the hat last week, um, there was sort of a vague recollection, but you and ma- uh, you immediately made the David Bowie connection, and and I did not. I will confess. So, um, like, I I feel like I'd heard the name, but knew approximately fuck all about the band after that. Really, so no, right. not really. Okay, fair enough. Well, let's try and fill in some of the blanks before we get to the actual record itself so tim machine performed initially when david bowie met reeves gabrels currently uh, a member of the cure reeves gabrels ah, if you knew that no He's i did not currently in the cure um but back then he was just a jobbing guitarist for a bunch of long forgotten bands um this was on the 1987 glass spider tour um gabriel's wife was working as part of bowie's press team and gabriel's attended a number of the concerts as a guest of his wife um those concerts and this particular period of david bowie's career not particularly well received by critics at the time you know what Um, i do know this and the only reason i know this is because i'm a massive um adam buxton fan and adam buxton is a massive um david bowie fan and he talks about this period quite quite fondly but he will you know he will say generally it's not considered a good period in bowie but he talks about it fondly because it's the time when he got into bowie so he's i think glass spiders is the first time he saw bowie live i'm pretty sure he said that so so i am kind of aware of that although i've not heard glass spiders i couldn't say anything about it but it's the album never let me down was the album that he was promoting at the time and again not a very well received record have you heard that it period you heard it i have heard it yeah your thoughts um it's it's not i mean it's it's all right okay i think it's all right i mean i 
I think he's it, yeah it would it would be fairly low down the list mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I was to do one of those mammoth ranking every mm-hmm. album mm-hmm. things I think yeah. it would be fairly down, well down the list but I mean I kind of like most thi- I you know I I mean we'll, we'll probably get into this in a little bit but I have I mean there's an album coming in the aftermath of Tin Machine which arguably could be in because of the reaction could be in the hat more than Tin Machine but that I think is fucking great so I don't mm. really know if I'm the right person to ask to be honest because I might be a little bit like Adam Buxton mm. and be like oh I remember when that was on top of the pops and stuff and I like that period so yeah I think it's pretty good okay. um but anyway um D- David Bowie met Reeves Gabriels and the two of them got on as mates and that was it he met this bloke on a thing during his tour that his wife was working with mates come the end of the tour uh bowie asked gabriel's wife who was working as i said with his press team if there was anything he could do to her or for her i should say not to her yeah. uh, could do <laughs> uh, as a as a favor um to say thanks for her work on the tour uh-huh. and she had said um could you listen to a tape of my husband playing guitar yeah. and that's what she did and uh, a month or so later bowie sat down and listened to the tape and feeling like he was losing his way a little bit within his solo material he decided to get uh gabriel's in to write with him which was obviously a bit of a surprise to this bloke Mm -hmm. and he didn't really know kind of what it was meant to be at first he was like am i now you know david bowie's guitarist like what the fuck's going on Mm -hmm. um but after a bit of writing together bowie decided to call um his former rhythm section or the the former rhythm section of tony and hunt cells who had played on lust for life the iggy pop album yeah and had which was produced by david bowie of course yeah and they sub- subsequently toured bowie and iggy together during that tour so he knew those guys from that mm-hmm. and um it's said that david bowie had, had said around this period that he wanted to move further away from the kind of art rock and i, I mean this you know the stuff he was doing in the 80s and then maybe the, the stuff he go and go into doing the 90s slightly obtuse like more modern sounding weirder sounding stuff you know he'd always had a bit of that from the sort of berlin period and everything but this is sort of post like let's dance and all that kind of stuff <clears> so <throat> i think mm-hmm. he was sort of looking had, had moved away from that moved into something a bit weird and kind of longed to do the more straight ahead 70s rock music stuff right mm-hmm. he's also listened to the pixies a lot during this particular period of course he was i think um there's there's a there's a lot of quotes from David Bowie about how much he loves the Pixies, which I think oh, we've he, touched on when we did Doolittle. When we did Doolittle, he fucking loves them. Um, the Channel Four documentary that was released about the Pixies, I can't recall the actual name mm. of it, but the, 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 which is like an hour long, has loads yeah. of talking heads um, on it. Tom York, uh, Tim Wheeler from Ash, and David Bowie. And the way David Bowie speaks about the Pixies, it's it, it's yeah he had a huge amount of admiration for that band quite rightly too love pixies yes of course yeah um they also mentioned bands like cream mountain and the jeff beck group hmm. as potential influences uh their debut album came out in 1989 was a bit of a hit it got to number three in the uk album charts and after that bow went off and did the sound and vision tour promoting the box set of the same name um now like most of these things i mean i maybe not actually because i think you know we're i guess we're into kind of supergroup territory here on broken records for like is it the first time we've done a supergroup oh um, i guess lou reed and metallica yeah kind of would be considered sort of a supergroup well sergeant peppers if this <laughs> <laughs> some kind of supergroup well look if this counts 
than Lude Reed and Metallica accounts. And yeah, fuck it, I'd say. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know. Well, that's various artists, isn't it? I mean, are they playing together? Mm-hmm. Well, well, Peter Frampton mm-hmm. and Bee Gees. Yeah, no, fuck it. That, that counts as well, um, yeah. I think. Um, but I suppose we've never really spoken about it in the context of, oh, this is a supergroup and yeah. what is the pressures of being a supergroup? Absolutely. I think... Queen and Paul Rogers, you're... is that a supergroup? Oh, yeah. That's not I mean, again, um, arguably Bush and Gavin Rosdale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the point is that David Bowie, anything he does is going to be pressure to perform, right? Yeah, Artist- like, not, not just artistically, but kind of commercially as well. Mm-hmm. You're David Bowie. You've got to sell, you know, he's a fucking superstar. I mean, he's a legitimate superstar. Mm. Everything he's doing has got to to sort of smash big and i suppose although let's not forget th- that let's not forget that this album had come off of a uh maybe this is the point you're trying to make sorry but this album had come off of a a bit of a run where bowie critically hadn't had a great time yeah mm. and and also you know well labyrinth we spoke about labyrinth when we were doing oh, that, thing. that was a flop that was a, that was a massive yeah. kind of yeah crit- you know not crit- well yeah commercial and critical flop yeah. at the time yeah um yeah. And so it was, yeah. it was very easy to mock what Bowie was doing in that even though I think it is I mean I grew up with that film so I fucking adore yeah, it amazing. I think you love it as well yeah you know so do, and, and 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 it's taken on this new resonance now like these days Labyrinth is really yeah um uh, I, I mean I love it but yeah no it was a flop at the time yeah. Yeah, absolute flop. And I think, you know, that that kind of, there's a bit of a pressure to perform at that point, I think, mm-hmm. because you're going, well, I'm okay, but then I won't do my solo stuff. I'm, and, you know, the acting career's maybe not worked out like I thought it was going to work out. I'm going to start a new band. Mm-hmm. This band were introduced, they did a preview concert, and when they were introduced as the future of rock and roll, the future of rock and roll oh dear okay yeah um <laughs> yeah okay and david bowie actually left emi records to to do this oh. emi were like we'll give you a solo contract but you can't you know you what do you want do you want a solo contract or do you want to be in a band mm. do you want to be in this band mm. and he was like well i'm gonna do the band and so he signed to victory music Mm. or tin machine signed to victory music that's not victory records by the way no. let's not get those two things no. that would be very weird yes tin machine. Would be weird. <laughs> tin machine. it would stand out <laughs> like a sore thumb wouldn't it yeah. agnostic front and tin machine <laughs> on the same record label too, would be um uh victory music actually folded within a few years of this record coming out as well so yes Pro- poss- possibly one of the reasons why it's in here would be my yeah. guess um, Tim Machine 2 recorded and written with Gabriel's uh, suggesting he's listening to plenty of Nine Inch Nails at the time which I assume would be Pretty Hate Machine it would have to be really wouldn't it yes it would be well um, yeah uh, yeah, no not even Broken had come out so yes Pretty Hate Machine yeah yeah so it'd be Pretty Hate Machine I guess not that shocking when you think of um, the fact that again David Bowie and Nine Inch Nails mates aren't they it's not shocking when you consider what they went on to do together um, it is a surprise when you listen to this record <laughs> yeah it is a bit um we'll get into that later. this record was described <clears throat> as being a less angry and shouty version of their debut with more melodic moments um recorded over nearly a two-year period in in la and australia it's only two years 
to record the records wow. on and off over kind of three different sessions. When um, when there was the money, kind of, when there was money in the industry, when there was loads of now. money in the music industry, uh, yeah. not right now. Um, the artwork was also a bit of a concern as well. It was a pop art composition by Edward Bell, who had done the artwork for Scary Monsters. It featured four of the Croissos Koros statue, um, which would have it was meant to be the statue with the band members' faces placed over the top of each statue. The statue is actually a grave marker for an ancient Greek warrior named Kroros. But essentially, in the eyes of America, it's just a bloke with his willy out. Just a naked bloke with his willy out. It's a statue with a penis. Uh, Ban this sick filth. How dare they? This is disgusting. Um, Lady nudity, absolutely fine. But masculine nudity, no, boo. Um, it's very stupid, isn't it? It's totally ridiculous. Um, it's no more offensive than the Michelangelo statue. If you think that's offensive, you're a fucking moron. <laughs> it's just a willy. It's just a just willy. willy. It's just a fucking willy. Grow up. We've Absolute. all got one, except for. <laughs> okay, know, no. Go. But. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't all got one. We've all seen one. Uh, the, 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 almost everyone has. Yeah, most almost people everyone. have seen one. It's fine, you know. Like, don't worry about it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, silly. Yeah, um, silly Willy. But anyway, yeah. But uh, you know, America airbrushed the cover, removed the Willy. Um, David Bowie said, "Even Canada has the original cover, only in America." Uh, before suggesting that fans contact the label to ask them to send the cover in full which the label refused to do. Uh, they freaked out at the idea. Apparently, sending genitals through the mail is a serious offence. <laughs> Fucking hell. Was a statement that they put out. Sending genitals through the... Well, let, let's be clear about this. You're not actually sending genitals through the mail, are you? <laughs> no, of course you're not, you fucking idiot. And, and here's the thing. Like, one would like to think that we've... Um, that things have got better and things have become a little bit less silly um in terms of that sort of you know i mean it's it's not gratuitous in any way shape or form it's Mm -hmm. four statues with the willy with four naked men statues but when it comes to us putting the picture up for this to promote this on socials uh i'm gonna have to go with the censored version on facebook Mm -hmm. otherwise we will get a slap on the wrist as has happened for <laughs> um with us already um uh i think we'll, we'll be all right to put out the uncensored one on twitter won't we but i'll actually have to do a censored version which is just so stupid but there mm. you go yeah it's pretty ridiculous um it's eye-rollingly it, stupid yeah I mean, what did we do before it was pixies as well wasn't it, it pixies was, uh, rosa yeah pixies and then very very soon afterwards we got another slap on the wrist for something shit cannibal corpse no i no no, i think i'd learnt my lesson by then it might have been an oh i mean that is you well if you can't put the pixies up then there's no way the cannibal corpse album is gonna fly do you know what i think it was the anal nathrak which is fair enough because it Uh, it does have two penises coming out of a pig's face (laughs) (laughs) but you know i like to push things a bit um but yeah, yeah yeah they gave us a slap on the wrist for that as well I mean, that's an offensive album cover. Yes, yes, that is offensive. Two, I get two that. cocks coming out of pigs' eyes. Mm, mm. Quite offensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I, a bloke. Yeah. Just a, 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 a statue of a man. Not really that offensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, the, the, I, I, mean, I think the Pixies' Surfer Rosa cover isn't particularly yeah. offensive. 
Just like, a lady, like, lady with the vaps out. Yeah, it is with the vaps. I mean, you know, so far, <laughs> I'm looking at all this, and I'm like, I don't really know. I don't really know where the where where the. Do you know what I mean? Like normally, like this, like spoiler alert. This has been one of the hardest ones to find a reason for like why this is here. Do you know what I mean? I don't already. I'm looking at it and I'm going, well, it doesn't appear to be. Yeah, you know, the kind of the artwork. I mean, that's happened to loads of bands. Yeah. Took a while to record. That's yeah. happened to loads of bands. He was coming off the back of something, so he just did something else. That's happened to a bunch of people before. We're not going to do this and blah, blah. But it's not compelling. And none of this is compelling enough to make me go, oh, I can understand why this has got into a load of lists of like worst album ever and blah, blah, blah. It is very weird, right? Um. I would say yes and no. I mean, I do sort of have a theory. I don't know if you want me to um, say this theory now or later. Probably later, isn't it? Okay, that's fine. Okay. Um, (laughs) Anyway, before the album was released, the band played the song You Belong and Rock and Roll on Top of the Pops, where Gabriel's, who was banned from playing guitar with a vibrator, again, more banning things, um, as he had been doing in their live shows, he would do a solo with the vibrator mm-hmm. over the fretboard. He wasn't allowed to do that on um, on top of the pop. So he used a chocolate eclair instead and rubbed the cream and chocolate all over his instrument, making David Bowie corpse quite considerably during their mime performance. Uh, you probably didn't get a chance to watch that, Renfrey. No, uh, it's not that great. They look, for the future of rock and roll, fucking hell, they look old. Um, they look really old. Even in 1991, they look pretty fucking old. Yeah. And... Uh, the hilarious kind of rubbing a chocolate eclair all over your fretboard is the sort of one thing that, stop, that stops you from just looking at David Bowie throughout the whole thing. Again, mm. this isn't really a super group because only one person in it is yeah is super. You yeah. look at the other three and you're like, fucking hell, you three are like, they look totally like hired hands. Mm. It doesn't really feel like a band. Mm. I don't know if that's going mm. to do with it, but it doesn't really mm. feel like a band. Um, anyway, as I said, the album was released uh to not not great not great reviews but then also again not terrible reviews q reviewed the album in an issue where the front cover asked our tin machine crap on the front cover mm-hmm. uh before giving it a three out of five review inside um that said it didn't quite match up to their wonderfully overwrought but sadly underbought debut i mean it got to number three i mean if they thought that was underbought yeah. then bloody hell yeah so quite, that, yeah I can't find a review, but Select gave it one out of five. Mm. Same for Blender, gave it one out of five as well. Um, A website called Trouser Press reviewed Barry's entire discography and said, making it obvious that Barry's agenda for the band involves self-conscious slumming and a desire to revisit his past under cover of an autonomous timeline, thereby escaping accusations of regression. The album displays a singing style on Baby Universal that hasn't been heard in years, a cover of Roxy Music's Glam Era, If There Is Something, and nonsense originals like You Belong and Rock and Roll, all suggest a futile effort to reclaim lost innocence. Whatever Bowie's motivations, Tin Machine was clearly designed for instant obsolescence. It only takes drummer Hunt Staples stepping up to sing the generic blues stateside for Bowie's experiment in democracy to collapse in a miserable heap. Um, all-time records give it two out of five saying the problem with the uh, the problem with the vast majority of songs of this album not good not bad it just doesn't seem to matter there's no emotional content and nothing to keep you coming back although i can't give it a bad rating really there is actually little that is bad about it as such um there's not many reviews i can find at the time there's a couple of ones that 
I think the New York Times were fairly favourable to it by all accounts. Um, the album peaked at number 23 in the UK Top 40. Which, which, let's, is, down which is down 20 places. 20 places, but let's put things in perspective. That's still not a bad... That's still not, like, awful. Yes, I guess for a Bowie-fronted thing, it's not great, but, like, it, you know, it's not like... It would have sold significant copies in 1991 to get to 23 mm. in the charts, you know. Yes. So, well, their debut went in at number 28, or peaked at number 28, I should say, in the United States Billboard Top 200. Ah, yes. This this is a different story, isn't it? Yeah. But it reached a fairly disastrous 126. Yes. Two on the on the Billboard 200 this time. Yeah, that's a bit. In fact, different. it's best. Its best chart position was 14 in Norway. Oh, okay. Interesting. the very best that it did. It's probably because of all um, those black metal elements on it, isn't it? Yeah, that would be what it is. Wow, this is <laughs> kind of definitely pre, pre-black pre metal. This would be more Scandi rock. Yeah, that's thought. true, actually. Um, I mean, the first one went gold. The second one did not. Mm. And um, there's a quote from the Baltimore Sun when they were promoting the record. Bowie said, it's music we miss hearing on the radio before Gabros interrupted him and still do, he said, directly referring their lack of radio airplay. Um, in 2015, Uncut placed it in their list of 50 great lost albums of albums that were at that point unavailable for purchase. It's not on Spotify. No, it's, it's not, not on streaming services. No, it's not at all. It appears to have kind of vanished off the plate, off the face of the earth. Well, it Maybe was even more so than the Naomi Campbell album. It was, <laughs> it was um, because of the the label Victory Music going bankrupt after the album's release. Uh, it has been unavailable to purchase until 2020, when it was given its first mm. major reissue on both vinyl and CD. So yeah, so there you go. Yeah. It is- a kind of uh yeah a lot a, a lost album feels like it's a lost album boom. yeah in lots of ways i mean you know i we i i imagine you listen to it on youtube as i did mm-hmm. you know it's one of those things where you can find that and you can find almost anything on youtube though if you really search for it you know but um yes uh, uh that i'm sure that contributes probably to the reputation of the record a little bit potentially yeah. um so that's it in a nutshell really um i guess we should talk about what we think of it the verdict um renfrey tin machine 2 what are you saying well you know to be honest it's 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 not a great album you know it's um there's elements which are very ploddy to it um it's certainly you know it does go on a bit um it's maybe a little pretentious at times um i think the roxy music cover is a huge misstep in my opinion um i think bigging it up as the future of rock and roll you're kind of setting yourself up for a fall especially considering that there is nothing revolutionary on this album at all it's actually just harking back to an older sound and i guess i think people were still obsessed with the new in 1991 you know we've talked about the 80s in the past where it's all about new things and new technology and all that kind of thing and 1991 we're not far out of the 80s and i think still people wanted new stuff 
um so anything that harks back to uh to an older time or anything that harks back to an older time and doesn't do anything different with it is probably more accurate um isn't necessarily going to be seen as particularly cool um songs like stateside are very ploddy and don't really go anywhere um i mean that's the you know letting hunt sells mm like do cowboy do lead lead vocal. vocals yeah. on stateside which is not a great song and then sticking david bowie on backing vocals it's like what are you think yeah that? yeah there's yeah. a solo at the end that sounds like something from 10 by pearl jam though they do definitely go for that like, they do and i'm which more more of that later totally into that um a big hurt is bowie goes punk which isn't a good look or sound really um i don't i think it's one of the well that that's that's pixies isn't it? that's them trying to do that that is clearly them trying to do the pixies yeah i think it is and 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 i don't think it works for bowie i mean there's even a kim deal backing vocal and then you get some sax at the end of it there's like proper like that is what kim deal would do in the sort of like bowie with, with like someone pretending to do a kim deal backing vocal in the background of it i mean the sax that comes in on this record over and over again does often save it from being from being a bit yeah. boring I, I thought the sax was not bad at all no actually. no not bad at all uh sorry sounds like a wet pink floyd <laughs> you know? amazing i said he sounds like he's doing a constipate hunt sales sounds like he's doing like bon jovi doing a constipated roger waters <laughs> there you go yeah 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 but just really really wet and dull really boring like nothing happens in that song at all no, i think there's all no. right moments on this but that is one of the i mean every time he gets on the mic it is like oh, for yes that is absolutely true and um yes he should <laughs> when you've got david bowie in your band you should probably step aside to be fair i'm sure that was bowie going no you should give it a go and you should go up to the yeah. mic i would have thought because who's going to have the fucking chutzpah to turn around to bowie and go i think i'll take lead on this I'll, one, I'll mate. Sing this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly so that probably was bowie you know trying to be generous with that but don't be generous bowie um all that said there's stuff on this record which is pretty good like totally fine um once i got over the initial baby 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 on baby universal i thought that baby universal was a pretty decent track i thought it was fine I think there's a sort of middle ground between his 80s work and what he'd go on to do in the 90s and Baby Universal. Yeah. When that came in, I was like, this is a this good is song. A, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. actually pretty good. I think it's and okay. Ditto, I think One Shot is quite good. I think One, one Shot's great. Really, really good bass line. Really cool vocal line. Um, I can see how the kind of woohoo-hoo backing vocals might grate on people a little bit. Yeah. But, but it's it, not a bad it's not song. not bad at all. Nope. No, it's not bad at all. Nope. Um, um, even You Belong you in belong Rock and Roll in... didn't like i didn't mind particularly yeah i don't love it but i don't mind it it, it, it's a little bit dull and i think it's got i mean that is one where i go oh i can see you're probably trying to do some kind of like disco nine inch nails thing and i was quite shocked this was considered to be a single as well yeah yeah, i mean it's not great but it's you know i think not all that is it i think i'm saying this in the con i'm thinking about the other songs that we have covered on broken records i mean in terms of yeah. a song like no i don't think it's a great song but in comparison to fucking i don't know eogan or or broken side or methods of mayhem i i would listen to this long and rock and roll. <laughs> you can at least remember it you know what i mean yeah exactly exactly you know like it isn't brilliant 
but it isn't a travesty either. Um, I think the if there is something Roxy music cover, I've already said, I think is a bit of a misstep. It, it, um, the reason I think that this is a very um, diverse record and it does go to lots of different places, but that just doesn't feel like it fits on the album at all. Yeah, it's 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 certainly kind of uh, the energy is different in that song. Very much. I so. actually think it's a fairly straight cover, and I think it's a kind of, it's a good song. So I don't actually I don't have that much of a problem with that, to be honest. I mean, I thought it's it definitely stands out within the con- like I say within the context of the record. It, it is it is wildly different. It just feels misplaced. But, yeah, it just feels yeah, a little misplaced. bit. I can see that. I don't think it's bad in isolation. I don't think that would be quite bad. Well, I think it says a lot that that song was actually recorded during the sessions for the first Tin Machine album. They abandoned it. And then when they were doing the second one, they went back to it and they were like, oh, this is all right, actually, and just chucked it on the record. But I think they could have just left it on the left it on the cutting floor or B-side. B-sides were a big thing at this point. Mm-hmm. Just, just put it out as a B-side, guys it's fine you know it's only a cover yeah. it's not like you know it it, it, so, it seems so weird that they put it as track four on the record on this record you know mm. odd, yeah, odd choice uh amla pura is a kind of blind melon style acoustic hippie thing i think that's fine fine you can't talk i don't like you can't talk i think it's cheesy and a bit rubbish and the half wrapped bit i think is a bit like oh but there's not you know I think the Shopping for Girls is a song about British men going to Asia and getting young prostitutes. And it's very, very dark subject material, Mm. right? It's quite dark subject material. And I think they do well to turn that into a kind of modern sounding Lou Reed song. I think that is something where I go, "Mm, there could have been something quite good in this band Mm. if you'd have maybe mined that a little bit more. Because I think Bowie sounds really good on it. I certainly think, I mean, the, the... The latter half of this album is where all of the, like, actually bad stuff is. And certainly Mm. Shopping for Girls is one of the few highlights on the latter part of the record, definitely. Um, It's, uh, oh God, what track is it? It's track Track nine, nine of a 13 track album. And um, it, it does sort of pop out as being... Uh, actually quite good compared to the other songs that are around it i would say i mean the songs that are around it are stateside and a big hurt which i've already pointed out as being two pretty crap songs um so yeah um but i i i I like shopping for girls because it's not sort of obviously about uh what 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 it is about you know until you kind of get into the lyrics a little bit more um interestingly that is the song that um reeves gabriel said was the most influenced by pretty hate machine which i cannot hear in the slightest (laughs) i I, I think the i i wonder i i feel like i feel like a lot of the reasons for this album being on this list is expectation um Mm. a expectation but also b the, th- the silly things that they were saying pre the album coming out i.e we are the future of rock and roll um oh i've been listening to lots of nine inch nails and pre-hate machine and this is really influenced by that i mean shopping for girls is is jangly you know mm. uh, like jangly and nine inch nails i mean bar that one song on hesitation marks which was years and years and years later nine inch nails never sound jangly 
ever. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, you're kind of trying to sell it to the wrong people if you're going, yeah, the new, the, the, this this album sounds like Pretty Hate Machine. It'd be like saying, I don't know, it'd be like saying the new Lana Del Rey sounds like Deicide or something. It's just, it's just, you're trying to market it to the wrong people by saying that because mm. I just don't see the through line at all in 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 no. any way shape or form no it's not it's certainly not obvious um i mean certainly more of the kind of the cream and the pixies thing i mean <laughs> i've i've not heard the first tim machine album so maybe it's they say that's an angrier record and stuff you know there's moments here where you go ah you know yeah i see like i mentioned kind of blind melon bon jovi um none of these things are real well no blind melon are but like pixies a little bit yeah mm, a little bit a little, a little bit. bit and and to be honest a vastly inferior version of pixies let's face it yeah definitely. even even at this time i mean pixies released trompe le monde this year which mm. is probably my least favorite pixies album including the new ones um and i i would take trompe le monde over this yeah to be honest yeah, me too. i mean this but the thing is there's literally nothing about this album musically i don't think that makes it broken no i agree i agree it's not broken this is a side project that is not as good as the stuff that the main guy does. It's chicken foot, basically. <laughs> it's, it's it is chicken like foot, yeah. it, on, on like a quality level, it's chicken foot. You're like, okay, fine, it's a side project and it's not great, but you know, whatever. Like, let's move on. It's not broken. Like, no, I mean, I guess. I mean, would this be the worst Bowie album? Um, not sure would be one of the it would be one of the worst okay definitely um uh, that but, says yeah. a lot like i think that says fucking loads for bowie last week we were talking about madonna for fuck's sake and like how poor that record is you know and and madonna and bowie are similar standing in terms of size and i think it says a lot for bowie if 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 this is like even if it's like in the last five i think there is enough on here to at least make it an interesting curio. Yeah, I guess so. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas whereas but, the Madonna records, well, we've actually not talked about our poll yet. Um, but... Uh, don't need to. <laughs> very, very quickly. This is a little sideswipe. Um, uh, we did a poll on the Broken Record social media and um, uh, just to see what people thought about Steve's assertion that Die Another Day is one of the top five Bond themes. And um, people mm-hmm. disagree with you, don't they, Steve? Let's be, let's be fair. Well, some people are like, you're both mad. So that's quite a lot. I did put a third option in saying you're both fucking idiots uh, just for a giggle, really. Um, and more people said that than agreed with you. <laughs> so- Let's be honest. Well, look, you know, I, 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 I'm not backing down on that at all. Sorry. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm not backing down. You're all, you're wrong. You're all wrong. Twenty that is a great song. Twenty-seven point eight percent agree with Steve. Forty-two point six percent agree with me, and twenty-nine point seven percent think we're both fucking idiots. Fair enough. Can't argue with any of that. I don't know what that middle one means, really, but fine. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's a fucking great song. I can't remember what? who said it now, um, and I do apologise, but um, I love the comments. Someone said that it sounds like um, uh, Madonna's trying to get through the chorus and sh- without hiccuping. Like, that is exactly what that song sounds like. It's fucking awful. I don't know what you're on. It's madness. But anyway. Um, 
it's not it's a fucking banger <laughs> jilted cl- cut up like sorry you probably don't like Aphex Twin either um, um, at least anyway. Aphex Twin don't sound like they're hiccuping through a chorus well he does <laughs> listen to Window Licker it sounds exactly like that okay shall we get on with Tim Machine <laughs> yes uh, we should I mean you know yeah um, so the aftermath of that is the band toured throughout 1991 into 1992 before splitting quite soon after um, the only release after this record was the 1992 Oive Baby live album um, but Bowie was actually very pleased with the work that he did with them he's actually been pretty positive about the experience over the years he said they charged me up I can't tell you how much then personal problems in the band became the reason for its demise it's not for me to talk about them but it became physically impossible for us to carry on and that was pretty sad really there was kind of mooted ideas that there might possibly be a third Tin Machine album but I think yes there was some kind of um, personal uh, problems within the band which you know it seems to be fairly vague and no one's ever really i guess people only really care about david bowie from that mm. band right well no one's gonna well, no one's gonna want the gossip from one of the other guys because no no one really cares so much i mean based on this if reeves gabriels is now a member of the cure i'm sure that he has gone on to do some really interesting and good things and obviously hunt sales and tony yeah. sales you know you mentioned lust for life earlier um which is an album that i love you know um iggy pop's lust for life and i think they were the um uh rhythm section on the idiot as well weren't they off the mm-hmm. top of my head yep, they were. and you know those are brilliant stuff based on this record um it's kind of uh, i i can't i i don't think reeves gabriel's sounds great based on this album but he clearly does have lots of talent and has done gone on to do really interesting things i mean him him sort of saying i was going for pretty hate machine on uh shopping for girls and you know you listen to it and you go well you didn't get within fucking 10 miles of pretty hate machine (laughs) (laughs) like you know i mean i mean the fact that i I said it sounds like a lou reed song yes yeah probably says quite a lot about how much that sounds like pretty hate machine i.e very little um so david bowie went back to do his solo material um first of all he released the song real cool world for the brad pitt film cool world in 1992 you've seen that oh my god is that the kind of um yeah who's framed roger rabbit ripoff yes yeah yeah i've completely actually a 15 i completely forgot that film even existed to be honest um it's not good. I, I I've not I've not seen it for years and years and years and years. But yeah, no, I don't remember it being very good either. Yeah, very bad. Um, that uh, came out of the recording sessions of what became Black Tie White Noise album in 1993. Mm. That's an album that I think's fucking excellent. By the way, I really like that record, and then that has got probably even worse reviews than tin machine oh, right and then there's a shout when i'm looking at it going maybe that should have been in here more than tin machine should have been in here mm-hmm. because tin machine got kind of oh god sort of reviews whereas black tie white noise got some pretty fucking hefty bad reviews and in the years that have passed i think this might be something that contributed to it as well in the years that passed there's been some kind of reappraisal of tin machine Mm-hmm. in the kind of aftermath of it coming out with some critics suggesting even <laughs> that they predicted grunge before the big grunge boom uh, mojo in 2009 said that they were merely ahead of the curve a prophet a voice in the desert predicting the coming of nirvana 
At the time, Nirvana was toiling in Seattle in obscurity, pushing its debut Bleach on on Sub Pop at every dive that it played. Now, to me, that's that's ridiculous. That's, that's just stupid. No, I mean, more likely was the fact that Bowie was listening to the Pixies, yeah. as he's admitted himself, and was inspired them in this by them in the same way as Nirvana were. I mean, sorry, lads, this album is all like fine and everything, but. Like to reappraise it and say this in, this invented grunge and predated grunge. Let's not over egg the pudding in any way whatsoever. You know, even if that did make any sense in terms of the actual music on the record, and believe me, it doesn't. Uh, this album came out three weeks before Nevermind did. Um, I mean, I, and I mean, Nevermind was recorded in April, May, and June '91 over three different recording sessions uh this album started recording in september 1989 and finished in march 1991 but the, i mean there just would have been absolute do you think do you think kurt cobain was hanging out with david bowie at that point like of course he fucking wasn't of course there was a, a, an admiration and mutual respect kurt cobain covered man who sold the world a few years later but nirvana wouldn't have been on david bowie's record that's uh, at radar at all that's fucking insane that's ridiculous um and and yes this album is recalling sort of um live instrumentation again and and grungy guitars and like i guess i guess 70s hard yeah there are bits there are bits which evoke neil young and crazy horse that's the Mm. closest this album gets to grunge but even neil young and crazy horse i know neil young is seen as the godfather of grunge and all that sort of stuff but even neil young he's not he's not actually grunge yeah even neil young i mean obviously grunge isn't a uh, genre but even neil young at his grungiest isn't really that grungy (laughs) you know yes loads of those bands were influenced by him but they took what he did and then dirtied it up quite significantly. So it's an absolutely insane thing to say. Yeah, really weird. Really, really weird. Anyway, uh, also Tim Palmer, who produced both Tin Machine albums, ended up mixing 10 by Pearl Jam, which you mentioned earlier. Woo-hoo! And he said he heard them listening to the first Tin Machine album, specifically the single Heavens in Here, adding more weight to the fact that Tin Machine were the originators of grunge <laughs> um it's no it's interesting i mean um the original mix of 10 um is actually one of the weakest things about it so <laughs> weirdly um as great as 10 is i think it's an absolute fucking masterpiece obviously um i actually think that the original sort of classic rock style mix that was done for it um brendan o'brien re uh redid a mix of it yeah, rejigged it. it like 20 for its 20th anniversary i think and yeah. um i it's one of it's one of the few albums that i had growing up and listened to and listened to and listened to and i got used to the original version and then i hear the rejigged version i'm like well this is infinitely better you know and the fact that i had lived with that album for probably when it came out 15 16 years and adored it and then the moment i heard the brendan o'brien remix i was like but this is clearly better uh says a lot for how much better that mix job was i think and the band weren't happy with the mix on 10 either for ages it 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 made them sound like a band that they weren't 
it may it, and mm. actually that mix is probably quite responsible for a lot of the people saying that pearl jam was sellouts and all that shit but it wasn't the it wasn't the mix that they wanted in the slightest as for the kind of the aftermath, I mean, Bowie himself in 1997 was asked if he felt the band had been harshly judged by critics and fans, and he had this to say. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? As the songs creep out in different forms over years, I assume that eventually it will be evaluated in a different way. I'm not sure people will ever be sympathetic to it entirely, but as the years go by, I think they'll be less hostile. I think it was quite brave, and I think there were some extremely good pieces of work done, and I think they'll kind of show themselves over time. Which is kind of means that we're on the same page, I think, David Bowie and the two of us. Um, sort of. I think he's over-egging yeah. it slightly. But but uh, uh, even the absolute best moments on this record, they're hardly like revelatory or anything like that. Like, th- there are... I- I'm, everything that I've said in the last, you know, 45 minutes has been in a kind of... Compared to the other records on this list, this is not that bad. Yeah. Do I think it's a good record? No, not particularly. It's quite slow mm. and a bit dull and a bit boring the reviews that gave it anything between two out of five and three out of five i think are probably accurate but uh you know broken records we're talking about the worst of the, the worst. worst and this is nowhere near the worst of the worst nowhere near no i think there's a couple of really good songs yeah in this. i agree i think the opening something um baby universe is good i think actually the whatever he was aiming for with nine inch nails on shopping for girls he obviously didn't hit, but what he did hit, I think, is actually quite interesting. Pretty fucking yep. good. Quite yep. interesting. Quite good as well. So I think there's a couple of really good songs in it. There's a couple of songs which I don't mind, and there's a few like proper stinkers there in are. It as well. Yep. But you know, overall, it is what you would expect from a supergroup in a time before supergroups were. I think back then, maybe everyone thought no one realized that supergroups are never fucking add up to the more than the sum of their parts no they no certainly didn't realize it to the point that i think we do now although we have had some mm. very good examples of late which were, we have had some very but, good examples yeah. but overall still i'm always like it's a super group don't get too yes, excited yes yes i think yeah i think i'd say the same generally yeah um so there you go uh where do we rank this remfrey do you think right is this going to be controversial for you or not i think i don't think this is terrible at all i certainly don't think it's offensive in any way i think it has its moments which are enjoyable um i don't get any kind of enjoyment well oh oh, fuck it i'm just gonna say it i think it should go after naomi campbell before william shatner uh number 29 my reasoning for that is because william shatner i kind of william shatner is obviously not a good record but i enjoy it for its sheer what the fuckness dd king is right after william shatner for the exact same reason uh naomi campbell (laughs) i i think this record is more successful at what it set out to do than baby woman by naomi campbell you're looking at me very very strangely indeed um Mm. i don't think don't get me wrong i don't think it is a successful album and i think things like the guitarist talking about trying to get that pretty hate machine sound and going a million miles away from it you know uh is is proof of that but you know there there is good interesting stuff on here and it ended up reinvigorating david bowie eventually or so he says enough to start doing good material again you know 
So that would be my argument for it. I know you think Naomi Campbell is the best record of all time and it shouldn't even be in this list. <laughs> but <laughs> but I don't I, I, I don't think well I was my suggestion was to put it between Rotation by Cute is what we aim for and Baby Woman by Naomi Campbell. I thought you'd say that. Because I think actually yeah because actually um the difference between those two records I mean one Baby Woman's better <laughs> and two um and two, the expectation level for, for, a, for a Naomi Campbell record would be very low. The expectation level for a David Bowie album would be very high. And in both cases, I think there are flaws mm-hmm. on the record. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of them is not what you would expect. I think they're probably neither of them are what you'd no, expect, true. but for kind of vastly different reasons. Yes. Nobody would have expected the Naomi Campbell album to be as good as it is. And I don't think when you get a David Bowie album, you would expect it to be quite as kind of ponderous as mm, this is. Mm, this is very, very ponderous. Um, my only, my only thing against that is, Baby Woman set out to give Naomi Campbell a additional career in in mm-hmm. music, and it did not do that. So it was not only was it a commercial failure but it was a fa- the album itself was a failure um i don't think this album is an entire success but as i said because it did reinvigorate bowie after a period i mean i realized that it then took another album or two before critics kind of jumped on board you know with that yeah and also this i mean you can say it revigorated him afterwards but it didn't at the not time. Immediately, it was even yeah, more of no, a flop so, so. than baby woman you know you've got to remember this baby woman sold a million copies in japan <laughs> oh yeah i so forgot they have, good, <laughs> they have good taste so i think that's your argument down the shit but they but they say sold a million copies in japan because they know no one in the western world will be bothered to check you know like it's usually not true <laughs> that's usually what it means <laughs> Well, look, those are the facts as have been presented to us. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, look, I wouldn't have a mass. I don't have a massive issue with it going between Cute's What We're Aiming For and Naomi Campbell. I mean, I, I, th- I think the fact that you have chosen Naomi Campbell over David Bowie hmm. isn't, show- isn't very good for your career, <laughs> to be totally honest, as a music journalist. Well, I think it, I, I think it is, actually, is because it? it goes to show that I'm not biased. <laughs> Just I don't review things by name. I review it on the quality of the work. And I think there are more better songs on Baby Woman. There's only really two or three songs that I think are actually good on Tin Machine. Mm. That I'm actually like, that that's good. There's at least four or five on Baby Woman that I'm like, this is actually good. Yeah. And I think it sounds better. And you think of the people involved in it as well. Like it's just nothing about Tin Machine sounds like you say revolutionary or new or stuff, but at the time stuff on baby woman would at least have felt really contemporary certainly yeah this is not the future this is not the future of rock and roll i mean that's an even bigger statement than can i have a career in the music industry isn't it this is the future of rock and roll oh it's landed at number 126 <laughs> and playing it on the radio and the bloke's rubbing a fucking like chocolate eclair on his guitar yeah yeah no fair enough all right yep yeah, i'm happy there for it go. to be there that's fine i'm putting it in i'm putting it in right now so there it goes tin machine in between Naomi Campbell and Cute is what we aim for. Let's pick another album out of the hat, Renfrey. You looking forward to whatever we well, get out? Well, it depends what we get out, isn't it? 
Okay, is that two or one that I've got there? Okay, I don't know what this is. True Symphonic Rockestra. Concerto in True Minor. Fuck, well, whatever it is. Never heard of it. It sounds fucking dreadful. <laughs> I mean, what yeah. the shit I think is that's that? going pretty high up <laughs> just for that name alone. True Symphonic Rockestra. Oh, oh dear. I, I I don't like the sound of that. No, one. I don't know what it is. Might be brilliant. Might hey. be brilliant. Might, they might be they might be a long lost hardcore band <laughs> that are amazing that neither of us have heard. Yeah, before, good thing. Uh, that we both love. Could be. So that's what we're going to do next week. Um, thanks very much for listening. That was two by Tin Machine. It goes in as album number thirty seven in our list. Number thirty eight will be True Symphonic Rockestra. Like fuck me, Richard Ashcroft is back with another terrible (laughs) rock-based name. Um, We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.